Hello, my name is uh, Pratik Mukhopadhyay. I'm an entrepreneur and an author. I'll be hosting the Reimagine Sales Systems podcast where I'll be bringing some of the industry thought leaders who will be sharing their go-to-market strategies for their business systems. All right, uh, everyone listening in today, I have today uh, a good friend uh, and somebody I've worked with, Michael Goldberg. He is leading the revenue ops at One Login. We'll get to hear a little bit about his journey with us today. Uh, and with that, I want to uh, open uh, the first question to Michael. Uh, Michael, uh, we're curious to know about your journey with us in the enterprise uh, world. Can you share a little bit with our listeners today? Yeah, yeah. Well, th- thanks for having me. Great, great to be here talking to you and, um, you know, being able to share different things that have gone on. But, you know, looking my uh, career, um, you know, kind of starting mm-hmm. out, I, you know, many years ago, um, even back before SaaS was cool, um, I was launching software subscription programs with a telecommunications test equipment um, manufacturer. And, um, you know, so that was kind of early career for me. And I, you know, maybe um, got the sense that, hey, I knew, could see where things were going and what made sense in the world. Um, and then I kind of moved to this inbound supply chain uh, software company. So it was kind of in software and test equipment early on. Um, and I was a, you know, a revenue analyst um, for for them. And I got to see in all the different pieces that were coming together. Um, and that company originally eventually got acquired uh, right around the same time as I went back to school to get my MBA and get you know, get educated and get a better understanding of what was going on in business, right? Because my early, um, my early bachelor's was in, in psychology, and I had also run my own business on the side. Um, and, um, but I was still early in my career and getting to know business. But, you know, after subsequent to the MBA, I came back and um, joined the, you know, one of the top five mobile phone uh, companies, providers, Um and I was a sales analyst for those guys, um, sort of in the sales world, getting sort of, you know, cutting my teeth in the sales world. Um, and I supported the, the Northern California region before they got acquired by another one of the big players. Um, but at that point, you know, my understanding of mobile and what was happening, I, I then realized that, um, you know, there's only a certain amount of time you're going to be selling mobile handsets. And um, at that point, I moved into right. a mobile content provider. Um, so company was doing uh, content, so games and other applications for mobile handsets, because yeah, that was another large growth area. Um, mm-hmm. And I actually moved into, I also tried something different, right? So I was in kind of sales analysis and I kind of moved into financial planning and analysis. So kind of running a couple p- parallel paths here where, you know, I'm trying different things and I'm trying different industries. Um, and those are kind of things that run through my career and maybe other folks as well. Um, but, uh, you know, from, from there, after a couple years there, realizing that, that the company, the content companies were kind of getting squeezed from, you know, licensors on one side and the providers on the other side and getting, you know, there's very little opportunity to make uh, a large amount of, of revenue. Um, I moved into a con- construction, uh, construction software. So, you know, um, mm-hmm. another software provider, you know, prior to SaaS, but actually I was supporting this. SaaS products um, with that vendor and helping them establish um, their SaaS methodologies um, and uh, helping them grow and, and build that SaaS knowledge in there. Um, and after a little while of that, I actually had an opportunity to leave and join Salesforce or CRM provider. Um, and I was supporting the Customers for Life organization over there, um, building the support and training elements um, from an fp and standpoint. 
Um, and after a little bit of that, um, I, you know, cloud storage was also another large growing space. Um, and I went over to cloud storage and I, I had an opportunity to head mm -hmm. up sales operations, which was kind of my first foray into sales ops um, and um, helped build and grow that piece of the business. Um, and uh, it was ultimately sold off. And at the same time, while that was sold off, I had an opportunity to go back into construction. There was a construction application provider um, which had uh, drawings on mobile devices and head up their sales ops team and grow um, and scale that organization. So um, we were growing sales reps across the country and it was just really fast moving, really great. Um, and um, eventually those guys got um, acquired by the pre previous construction vendor that I, that I worked for. So, um, but I had already left those guys to work on a digital transformation application. Um, and that was really cool. Um, and it was, you know, sits on top of, you know, kind of your sales force and helps give users a better user, you know, better experience um, from the user interface perspective. And to build it, it was less coding and more drag and drop, right? So um, right. kind of def definitely evolution. And then, you know, from there, I ended up uh, where I am today at one login, um, you know, an, an identity mm -hmm. and access management provider top, top, and uh, I'm heading up actually the global sales, global operations team. So kind of from sales ops, uh, build out with marketing ops and sales enablement. And so now I own global ops. Wow, that's a quite a journey, Michael. Thanks for sharing that. And it's, it's really amazing to see that you have so much experience, not only in subscription and revenue ops, but also uh, the background with finance, because I think that, that really helps uh, put things in perspective. Uh, if we were to take a kind of a deep dive on, let's say, your last two or three companies, uh, can you share a little bit about how do they go to market and uh, how does your role in sales and RevOps help them to achieve those strategies? Yeah, yeah. So, so kind of from, you know, these, they've been. Mm -hmm. More like startups, right? So right, right. I started, you know, I, earlier in my career, I was with large and small companies, but now I've kind of focused a little bit more in the startup space. But right. on the go to market, right, the engines for, you know, a construction provider uh, that is, you know, both is worldwide, but providing construction data on a handset device, we had a very much a direct sales force. Plus, we built out some partnerships with other applications that we were complementary with. So um, sometimes we would go to market together with those guys, but very much like uh, a direct sales force and just building and scaling and having people that can, you know, touch every corner of every state in the United States, for example. Um, and, you know, we grew and scaled the sales team, you know, to from like 30 to 60 and we were going for 100, you know, sales reps on the ground. Um, visiting construction sites and selling the application and demoing the application, um, you know, on the ground. Um, from those guys, you know, the the next one, the digital transformation provider, um, we were very much a, you know, direct sales team with heavy on the sales engineering side to kind of help uh, customers first, you know, do custom demos, but also build up the adoption uh, when they purchased. And we had a, you know, a lot of uh, professional services type resources that could help folks get up and running. Um, it was a very you know, demanding kind of a thing because you had to build stuff from scratch, right? Um, but here, you know, now a little bit better here, we've mm -hmm. got a go-to-market team, which is a combination of a direct sales team, which is um, 
but you know, territories and segments and you know, enterprise commercial segments. But we also have a great partner network. We're building out partners to support you know, enterprise, but also SMB. Um, and we've got strategic partners for that enterprise support and, and we've got MSPs as well. So um, a lot of different ways to get into the market and to support a lot of different types of customers. Uh, that's, that's really interesting. Now, in your journey, right, uh, going back on the go-to-market strategy, we've always seen direct partners uh, and then resellers, but any other uh, modes that you have seen uh, that might be unique maybe to a certain industry or a vertical or, or when you do subscription? Yeah, I mean, we had, uh, you know, in, in mobile phones, we've got, a, you know, the whole mom and pop, um, mm -hmm. you know, network of stores across the right. country supporting the growth and sales and being where customers want to be and want to purchase um, your tools. Um, that definitely, mm -hmm. um, you know, VARs and, and you know, value-added resellers. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, just definitely experience with a lot of different ones depending on um, the application. And to some degree, more in when I was in hardware space, you know, sort of um, folks who are associated with hardware applications would would bring more of those types of channels in play, um, and then that made more sense for those guys. Makes sense. Makes sense. Th thanks, Michael. Now uh, let's talk a little bit about systems, right? I think monetization and uh, trying to uh, focus on revenue growth is very critical for I would say mature startups that you lead. So what kind of systems do you think is required to realize some of the strategies that are, let's say, defined with sales and go-to-market teams so that you are able to either focus on adding value with reporting or enabling sales team to be more efficient? But uh, if you can share a little bit about what systems that you have seen in place to be critical and what systems you feel are sort of good to have, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's interesting the evolution from you know mm -hmm. Salesforce and then all the associated the ecosystem that Salesforce has built up around Salesforce is primarily where I've played uh, you know the the last part of my career, and I have a very interesting viewpoint into you know making sure that you know to become data driven you have to do two things you have to pick the right systems and you have to integrate them together and make sure that you can have that reporting layer on top of the data that you're capturing so definitely be clear about um, defining the data and what you want to capture and then especially knowing downstream what you're going to use that data for um, as you're evolving those systems so um, and when i say evolving it's always i've inherited the systems and i've got to make them operate 10 or 20 times better than they are when I sit, when I, you know, first sit in that chair in front of them. So, um, you know, like Salesforce is a critical one. I find that's mostly in the center of the universe because it's, mm -hmm. you've got things coming from the upstream and marketing and, you know, potentially bringing in product and customer data, um, and making sure your sales are, you're completing your sales and passing those closed one opportunities downstream to your finance system. Um, so you got a lot of different things, um, involved and, it really can become the, the center of the universe in terms of you know where people need to go to get the information they need to do their business, right? So um, you know, and within Salesforce, you know, adjacent systems we've got we've got sort of the reporting and dashboarding types of tools that you know Salesforce does a little bit. Mm -hmm. They're working with Tableau to do better on that, but um, you know we've got our own third-party tool integrated that that gives us our sales folks 
really good insight into the data and how it's moving and changing on a daily, weekly, monthly, quarterly basis, um, and to give them a really strong understanding um, and, and know when things are changing, right? Um, and we've got, you know, data that supports the sales team themselves and how do they, you know, manage the opportunities? How do they keep their forecasts updated? How do they reach out and find new opportunities? How do they receive opportunities from marketing and, and the SDR teams? Um, and how do they make sure they have the right information around those to know what the next step is um, in regards to the opportunity? Awesome. Uh, you touched a little bit on Salesforce and adjacent technologies, but uh, in terms of uh, platforms, um, not platform vendors, but we hear things like code to cash, lead to cash. We hear terms like order management. Uh, for a company, let's say, the, that's sort of a mature startup, CDC funded, 1,000 employees, 100 salespeople, what's your typical uh, stack look like? Uh, and it's obviously based on industry and how they go to market, but beyond Salesforce, what else would you do if you didn't have a budget limitation, which is sort of not the right way to put it, but ideally, right? Yeah. Yeah, totally. No, I think if you if you get to a thousand employees and a hundred, sorry, a thousand employees, a hundred salespeople, right, um, right. you're going to have relatively mature systems if you've managed it right, correctly right. along the way, right? right? right. Um, and, you know, look, we're, we're a little bit short of that at this point, um, but I know the direction we're heading and I've, we've been there, you know, sort of with uh, some of the previous companies I've been at. But what you'd be looking at is, you know, good, uh, you know, a, a mature marketing ecosystem, uh, you know, core system, plus um, a few, you know, adjacent systems um, that can hand off data cleanly to Salesforce and get, you know, the leads and the lead routing to the right people who need to get them. Um, and then you got the, you know, mm -hmm. visibility and potentially, you know, some of the stuff that we're doing with, um, uh, you know, AI and machine learning to try and identify what are the higher, um, you know, higher value opportunities, even in your pipeline today, which one should you be really doubling down on and which one should you be focusing a little bit less on, um, to get to your number. Um, so, so machine learning and AI is big stuff. And especially if you're a larger vendor, you know, larger company, as you get to that size, you need to be looking at those kinds of applications. Um, but you've got to have the, you know, like you said, quote to cash is critical. Mm -hmm. Um, and mm -hmm. I'll be honest, we're not quite there yet. We have it on right, the road. Right. Um, and we're working on funding for next year. Um, but, you know, we've done a big update on our pricing and our pricing model this year, and we're doing all the foundational steps that'll put us in the right direction of getting there. Um, we are very aware of subscription management types of tools that would associate with CPQ and um, contract management, but, you know, we, and I've implemented them at, at former places, but not at the, our current place. So, so looking at things like right. that, how to get there as the company grows and scales. Um, and, you know, obviously good integration with a good solid finance system downstream is critical. Um, and look, I'll point to one thing uh, that we did a couple companies ago. Um, you know, look, when you and I worked together, we, we right. built a custom, uh, you know, custom admin console that allowed the customers to purchase when they needed to and instantly provision licenses so they could, they, we didn't slow them down. They, they could run as fast as they needed to, and they could just do a bunch of add-on orders and they were all standardized to the original contract and pricing. Um, and we would just be able to turn around 30 days later and send out an invoice. So, um, you know, we, we did that helped the business grow and scale significantly. 
Um, and I, you know, one of the factors I think that made them attractive to, you know, later acquisition. So, um, some, some great stuff. Let me kind of, uh, change our gears a little bit in terms of, uh, best practices, right? So we know that any successful, uh, operational, uh, role, um, that somebody like you leads is a combination of people, process and technology. So, uh, can you share a little bit of your lessons learned uh, maybe in the last few years that our speakers can take away? Like how should we be thinking about uh, constraints, uh, people, processes uh, that if you had a chance, you could have done it differently? Yeah. 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 So, you know, let's start with the, with technology, because that's where you're sure. going to grow and scale the business best. Right. And, you know, in terms of learning, um, you walk into a place and everybody's throwing things at you as an ops leader <laughs> right, and right. everyone's asking you for this system, that system, the other system, and you have to kind of understand and drive what your, your company can digest best, right? So you can, so you need to make sure you're picking the right systems. You can integrate them and build streamline processes, um, and keep your customers happy. You know, for us, it's the sales team. Right. Um, at the same time, you can't blow the budget, right? So um, a lot of times for me, it's a look at, you know, initially explore um, and understand what systems are already in place and either improve them or rationalize them, right? So get rid of the systems that have duplicate functionality, um, double down on systems and companies. I look for vendors that are building out rapidly and providing value and supporting their customers, which would be me. Um, really well. So um, there's folks that do well at that and folks that don't do so well at that. Um, so I want to see incremental functionality rolling out on a quarterly basis. Um, I want to see a product vision that potentially scales out into some platform functionality. Um, rather than me having to buy five vendors, I'd love to write, I prefer to purchase one that can provide five functions or, you know, five solutions for me. Um, so I'm looking, you know, a lot of times at platform vendors, vendors who can provide a broad scope mm -hmm, of mm -hmm. solutions. Um, and then, you know, occasionally, look, we also bring those, you know, best in class point things, point solutions into play. Um, and we recently have done a couple of those because they're doing something different and more valuable than what anyone else out there is doing today. Right. And, um, you know, we're, we're testing them out and piloting them to make sure they're going to be successful. And then we're bringing them in if we do have that success. Um, so, you know, lesson learned, don't, don't buy too many, uh, right, right, tools right. and, you know, try and right. leverage the ones you have, or if you're not using them, do your best to get rid of them quickly. So, and that, you know, that follows right. that, you know, your processes within those systems, then, you know, you can streamline your processes much better. Um, and as long as your data is flowing cleanly between systems and, um, your people, as well as your, your people and your extended teams that you support can either access the data from those systems more directly and not have to sit back and ask for information or not have a good understanding of what's going on. Um, if they can't, if they don't have visibility into those systems. So, you know, definitely drive visibility right. out versus having people rely on you all the time for, for information and updates. That's great. Uh, we're almost at uh, end of our discussion today, Michael, but a few more questions. Uh, uh, I think these are more personal in nature. Uh, so I really like the journey you described. I really uh, see the value you can bring to any organization, both from your financial uh, background 
the fact that uh, you study psychology in your undergrad and uh, the, the way you have helped your other startups. Uh, now, what would you look in someone if you were to hire them in your team? Uh, uh, what are some of the skills that you are hiring for that someone should aspire to develop as they are also looking to develop a career and maybe five, 10 years from now, they can become next, the next Michael Goldberg. Yeah. yeah. You know, what's interesting is, and, and um, right. from, from the many uh, interviews and stuff I've done, the first thing I really want to look for is, is passion, right? Do they have a passion for, you know, ops and, and are they enjoy, do they, can they convey to me that they enjoy what they're doing and to get into areas where they're constantly uncovering problems and constantly fixing problems. Um, so I want to see someone who is, is like a lifelong learner who, you know, does want to get certain things, potentially certifications in the different systems, um, very system oriented, but, but they, they must convey that they really, they, they enjoy what they're doing. Not that they're here to, to get a paycheck. Right. Um, and so I, I ask questions, you know, a lot of times in regards to, you know, you know, um, what are you looking for and how do you evaluate this role and why is this the right thing for you? Um, and I try and tease out anything I can from them and to make sure, um, they're in it for the right reasons. Um, and you know, then, then I want to look for what do they think the career is and what are the career paths. And I love as a leader to support those folks. Right. So I've, I've supported and, and I grow my people. I look for them. Uh, you know, I have my my current Salesforce um, administrator. She got her certification while I was managing her. My previous one also got her certification while I was managing her. Um, and I want people to be improving their skills. Um, and, you know, because everyone comes with a certain set of skills and there's a bunch more that they can add um, to their playbooks. Um, so I want them to be learning and growing and, um, it definitely shows me motivation when they go off and they spend their own time, um, studying and taking these exams and, um, coming back when they're, they're super excited about being successful at those. Thank you. That, that's a lot of, uh, insights for somebody, uh, trying to get a career in RevOps and sales ops. Uh, what are your priorities, Michael, in 2021? I know with COVID, uh, some companies benefited, some companies probably had to take a step back, but in your current role at your current organization, uh, how was 2020 and how do you see 2021 now uh, kind of changing or, or uh, becoming a priority from 2020? Yeah, yeah. Well, 2020 was, uh, I mean, I can't, I would say it was good on a personal basis for me, but I, I understand from a lot of people that, you know, and, and, and look, I've had my challenges as well. Um, so not everything was good, but, um, you know, the priorities, um, you know, have been a, like a large, you know, cleanup, a lot of cleanup exercises we've accomplished this year, but I, I knew at the beginning, even prior to when this whole thing hit, um, that we were going to be doing a lot of legacy tech debt, um, resolution. Um, and I knew that we, um, but we also had to do projects that were going to move the business forward. So, you know, we've done, um, in, you know, I inherited systems that had, had potentially five or more previous owners that, that never really did a lot of cleanup or, um, you know, kind of looked at things, um, deeply to resolve them more. So they would look like they were just trying to solve their own problems and building on top of each other. So, um, we've stripped back a lot of stuff. We've removed, you know, 30, 40 gigabytes of, of 
dirty data from our systems and got it running a lot more, lot smoother. We've fixed a lot of integrations. These were all of the priorities. Um, at the same time, we've you know implemented quarterly data hygiene, a uh, quarterly data hygiene process. We've done some you know kind of I mentioned AI and machine learning, but we've also launched um, what was called the buyer's journey this year, where we've bridged that gap between marketing. Right. funnel visibility and right. sales opportunity visibility and we've created a custom object that we've got data and analytics around so we can follow all the lead right. flow, all the campaign attribution all the timing around how things are moving through the funnel um the conversion rates things like that so we've done a really great uh project um and you know at the same time we're still looking at even next month pulling ripping and re ripping and not replacing ripping and coding in place of um, a system that's in the stack that's causing us problems that we no longer need. So um, a variety of things and, you know, even priorities going forward and we spent some time this quarter doing it was kind of getting a good roadmap together and knowing the projects that our customers are looking for down the road and trying to figure out how do we get those budgeted or how do we get them completed with the existing resources that we have in place today. So, um, you know, obviously we'll be getting feedback on that shortly since our budgeting cycle is happening right now um but we'll be launching in q1 with uh you know updating the information the feedback we get um and we're starting to run some of those projects as well awesome awesome yeah. michael uh it's it been a pleasure we get got to learn about your journey your uh role in helping uh mature startups as well as i think uh, the feedback you had for someone pursuing uh, a career in RevOps of having passion uh, and then some of the priorities you share. So it's, it's been a pleasure talking to you, listening to you, and I would welcome uh, any suggestions or feedback you have for me. Uh, but with that, uh, we'd like to kind of uh, thank Michael for his time today. And uh, anyone, uh, Michael, who wants to get in touch with you, what's the best way they can uh, connect with you? Probably reach out to me on LinkedIn um, and, and really appreciate you having me today. Thanks. It's been a great experience and we'll, uh, Look forward to seeing, we'll look forward to our paths crossing here in the near future. Thank you, Michael. So with that, I would like to wrap up this podcast. Thank you all for tuning into Reimagine Enterprise Sales Systems. To listen to more exciting podcasts, please visit my website, pratikm.com or protikm.com, where you can subscribe to the show in iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcast and other channels that you follow so that you'll never miss your show.